It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. By day, I am a fee-only wealth manager down here on the south side of Atlanta. I'm a certified public accountant, a certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist, which means that I'm a a CPA that does financial planning. If you want to go check out our show notes, and believe me, today you are going to want to go check out our show notes because I have a lot of links to articles as well as other information that you're going to want to go look up, especially for you guys that are listening to me on your daily commute or you're in the gym working out, you're going to need some of this information. Go out to money-guide.com if you want to check out those show notes. If you want to get them, just blast it out to your email. When you go to money-guide.com, you can type in your email address over on the right-hand corner of the website, and we will send you out updates whenever we put up a new show every week or every other week, depending upon what's going on out there in the marketplace. So what we're going to be talking about today, let me get to, to why this is so important to check us out, is that I've been getting a lot of emails from you guys asking if this is the time to buy. And I know that's a, a hard thing to want to think about, especially in light of how volatile these markets have been this year. But I think it's a very valid question. I think it is a very good question, especially since a lot of my listeners are in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And um, we're going to talk about even my, my listeners that, that, that are in their 50s and 60s. But I do think it's a great question, and it's something I do want to address in today's show. And, and, and I, let's go ahead and put this in perspective and, and kind of frame it, because I have noticed something as well, is that we've been riding this wave of volatility for so long that 7 to 9% of market swings really doesn't seem to have the same shock and awe type of impact that we had a few weeks ago. You can remember how on the nightly news a few weeks ago, anytime we had any downturn, the, the press kind of jumped all over. They've kind of backed off of that. And I don't know if that's from fear, that they, they've kind of realized that they do have you know an amplification to what's going on in the market, or if they just, it's boring to them now. You know, like a lot of people have probably developed a callus where a five to seven percent swing just doesn't doesn't change their emotions as much as it might have a few months ago and I go on to say this this acceptance of the wild swings has really provided me the opportunity to kind of step back kind of get a hold of my emotions so that I can get off this roller coaster that we've been riding for the last few weeks and, and kind of look at where we really are and I've also put aside some of the things that really were bothering me and, and, and what those things were. And I don't want to spend any time on them, but I do want to kind of, you know, lament with you guys to let you know what's been bothering me because I think it's probably very similar to, to what you've been feeling. I've got anger at the politicians up there in Washington. I've got anger with the SEC. Remember the Securities and Exchange Commission. You know, my longtime listeners can remember last year I had a visit from the SEC where they wanted to check out um, some records, ask us some questions. And I can't help, because I remember how stressed out I got trying to prepare for the SEC coming to see us. I can't help but think now in light of everything that's going on and we hear about how much leverage these investment banks have and how there was just not a lot of oversight to keep these guys and reel them back in to, to the reality of what the situation we were in, I can't help but look back and wonder if maybe they should have been using some of those resources of the people they sent down here to talk to me and my partner looking up at Wall Street and looking at some of these investment banks instead of messing with fiduciary planning firms. And remember, fiduciary planning firms, we, 
I can't tell you one case where where fee only fiduciary planner has um, fleeced their clients for the millions, billions that, that we're now turning into in the marketplace. I'm also amazed at how people are claiming to be victims. These are the same people that, that thought it was going to be perfectly fine to move into three or $400,000 homes with, with only making fifty dollars to $70,000 a year. You know, whatever happened to people calculating how much their, their mortgage is going to be and trying to make sure that, that no more than 25 to 28 percent of their their income goes to housing expenses. I, I guess that's just out the window. I don't know, but that, that kind of frustrates me. And then I'm also a little disappointed, and I've kind of already hinted at this a little bit, about the um, investment banks that package up the oh-so-appealing, there's no other way to put it, the poo-poo sandwiches, these mortgage-backed securities that kind of got us into this situation. But I've put that anger, I've put that frustration away, I've also put away the depression I had about about all this because there was a little bit of depression I had about managing clients' monies, and believe me, nobody's immune from this. When you have bond markets, when the bond markets go down in the month of September, seven to eight percent on on the corporate side, you have to realize that this is not your 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 normal just market correction. You know, we've got this is a deeper period than, than we've experienced any time in the recent past. So I, I think that you have to take that account. And I've gotten over that depression because there was a part of me that was like, how did I let this happen? How did I not see this coming for my clients? But I've quickly realized, and, and listen to Greenspan and others, now Greenspan might be trying to cover for himself to a degree, but there there does seem that a lot of people didn't see this coming. And I'm starting to come to the realization that um, we're all in this together. And I've kind of come to the point that, that I've, I've, I've decided that I wanted to kind of discuss two things and put this all in perspective and let you figure out, you know, how you feel about it, this market and if this is a time for you to buy or sell. And, and I titled this, this, this topic as Time to Buy with a Question Mark, and I put Buffett versus Kramer because we all know Jim Kramer, Mr. Booyah himself, um, back on October 6th was on today's show, and he, and he, he t- made the statement, and I'll get into it in a minute, um, about leaving the market to a degree. And then meanwhile, we've got Mr. Warren Buffett, the oracle from Omaha. You guys know I'm a big fan of his. He came out just last Friday and, and, a, and had an op-ed piece in the New York Times talking about he was buying American stocks. And, and, and I'm going to go over that in great detail in a little bit, but I want to give you some perspective here. The first thing you need to ask yourself when you're trying to figure out if you're going to buy and if this is the time to buy in this marketplace is are you a buyer or a seller? Now what do I mean when I say are you a buyer or a seller? Is that the one thing that, that when I watch the nightly news that, that I've really been taken taken to heart is that everything is so negative. And, and, and I think that we're all feeling that and it kind of amplifies, as I've already said, our emotions. But the other side, you're not hearing. Nobody is talking about. Now, I went to a conference yesterday. I was talking about retirement planning um, for the local school system here. And, and one of the presenters they had up there kind of hit me with something. And he brought up this, are you a buyer or a seller? And it's a great point. It's so simple and it's so obvious. But but he talked about the other side of the, the, the coin is that, we sure, we have all this panic because the market's going down. And sure, that's probably going to have an impact on your job you know, how, how comfortable you feel spending around the holidays. But nonetheless, if you're an investor and you're a buyer, this is an awesome time. 
This is a really good time if you think about it in the grand scheme of it is that you're getting things much, much cheaper than you were two years ago, four years ago, even six years ago. We're seeing opportunities out there that have not been available in the marketplace for quite some time. And and I understand that the older investors are starting to freak and, and be bothered by this, but that's because a lot of your older investors, the retired individuals, are what should, should be considered sellers. You know, they are having to sell assets to, you know, provide for their living expenses. Meanwhile, younger people, 20s, 30s, 40s, should kind of, to a degree, be excited that, that you have many more years to buy and get incredible deals right now because your best earning years are probably still ahead of you and you're getting in much cheaper than you would have and, and that's allowing you to acquire a great deal more shares that with compounding interest and, and the ability to keep accumulating assets, this is going to be a good thing in the long term. I know it doesn't feel that way right now, but it definitely in the long term, if you're a younger investor, you're getting an opportunity. I had an email come in from a 401k participant of a 401k that I, I provide advice for, and she's 29. And, and she said, Brian, I, I got my quarterly report, and the aggressive allocation model was down 14 to 15% for, you know, as of September 30th for the year. Should I get out? And, and you know, and that kind of, and I guess because I deal with markets on a day-to-day -day basis, I just assume everybody knows when you're 29, you can't touch your retirement assets until you're 59 and a half. This is, this is a hiccup. This is something that you're going to look back in time, and, and it's not going to impact you, especially when you're in your 20s. So I, I wrote her back very quickly and said, no, this is definitely a time to, to if anything, hit the accelerator on how much you're saving because every dollar you're putting in is buying a good bit more than it was just a short period of time ago. So uh, based upon that information, you have to ask yourself, are you a buyer or, you're a, or, or, or are you a seller? And that's very important to figure out which side of the equation you're on to figure out if you should be upset, if you should be excited uh, about this whole process that we're going on right now. A quick suggestion I also have, and I'm going to get into talking about my older clients and my older listeners as well, but a quick suggestion that, that, that we get blast emails about what other advisors are thinking, plus I've subscribed to some, some newsletters that kind of let me you know, see what other peers are doing with their practices. And, and there was a great suggestion that I wanted to share with you guys. It, it said a lot of us probably just need to turn off the TV. And, and, and I know that's a hard statement to say because a lot of you are saying, yeah, Brian, but I, I want to kind of know what's going on. I can't help myself. I need to know what's going on. But there's one thing to be informed. It's completely different if you're confusing being informed with the 24-7 attack on your mental health that you receive from you know these, these TV news channels that are out there. I mean, this is unprecedented how this is really showing us how the world has changed because you can watch news on a 24-7 basis now. There's not a time that you can escape from it if you choose not to. So you need to be careful and make sure you just don't cut off, just cut, well, I should say, just cut off the TV. The TV, to a degree, can be a big distractor and um, take your eyes off the ball of what the primary focus should be while this is going on. Now, now let's talk about my older listeners and my older clients. If you're a seller, you've got to have a completely different perspective. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be 100% cash. And let's talk about what Jim Cramer said back on October 6th. And, and just to recap, he came out on the Today Show on October 6th and said, whatever money you may need for the next five years, 
please take it out of the stock market right this week. He didn't say booyah after it either. He just said, you know, whatever money you may need for the next five years, please take it out of the stock market right this week. Now, I heard this. I was actually watching the Today Show when he made this comment. And I fully anticipated there to be like a dead silence, like crickets were, you know, like, is this guy serious? Is is this supposed to be profound? But they treated it like this was a profound statement that he had said something very heavy. And they considered it very big news. And, And I thought this was common sense. Because if you remember, all my longtime listeners, if you think about it, if you need money within the next five years, that's short term. So what Jim Cramer said was all the money you need over the next five years, a.k.a. short-term cash, liquidity needs, you know, to pay living expenses if you're retired, does not need to be in the stock market. Well, duh. I mean, that, that, that's common sense because the only money that's supposed to be out there in the stock market is money that you can push away for five years five to seven years, actually, and not look back. And I'm going to give you some numbers in a minute. I've got a risk volatility analysis that, that's that's put out by a company called Crandall Pierce & Company. I use these slides on a constant basis. Let's go put this, really frame this out for you guys so you can really look at it and, and not get your emotions into it, but really know what you're dealing with here. And, and, and I'll go ahead and tell you right now, on this risk volatility analysis and the dis, this discussion we're going to have, I wanted to provide you links to a few of these charts so you could actually look at them yourselves and go through all the numbers because it has many different asset allocations, very simplified asset allocations, but but nonetheless different because it's, it starts off with 90% stocks, which is the S&P 500. That's what they use as the, the measure. No bonds, and 10% cash is the most aggressive portfolio, and it shows the historical performance, both the best, the worst, and the average from 1950, January 1950, to June of 2008. Love this research because this is so rich in data and numbers. And it shows you the best and worst of times. And then it shows you if you just add some simple diversification. If you go, let's say, 60% stocks, 20 I mean, 30% bonds. And, and when they use bonds, they're, they're using a mix of them. Um, they're using five-year treasury bonds is what they're actually using as the indicator. And then they're using 10% cash. And it shows you what the best, worst, and average for, for that long period of time since 1950 has been on an annual basis. And then you can even go as conservative as no stocks, 90% bonds, and 10% cash. So as you can see, a lot of great information. And then they spread it out by one year, three years, and five years. And I use this constantly, especially with new prospective clients. Because what I do with this data, and I'm going to give you some highlights in a minute, since unfortunately I was not able to put this on the website because I went out and did a search and tried to find a website that had these charts on there in the public section so I could just link to it and not violate any of the copyright stuff, but couldn't find anything. So um, unfortunately I'm going to have to just share this information because I don't want to upset um, Crandall Pierce and company uh, by violating any of their proprietary information, but I will share the data with you nonetheless. Um, I, I th- I, what I use these, getting back to, to the point, is that what I use these in prospective client meetings is I pull up that one-year chart that has the one-year returns, both best and worst of times, and I point to the worst side. And you know, Because I always, when I'm dealing with a prospective client, I want to know how much risk and volatility they can handle before they cry uncle. So I, I look at this, this chart, and I have the most aggressive 
with a loss. This is remember the client, the portfolio of 90% stocks, 10% cash is the most aggressive according to this this chart, and they've got the biggest loss from 1950 to June of 2008 as 34.3%. Now, sure, we might beat that this year, and I know that's that kind of makes a few of your hearts sink, but I still think the data in this research shows the power of diversification and the power of time, and I'm going to get to that. So you could have had a 34% loss, and I'll tell you, most prospects when they see a 34% loss, they kind of go, "No, not me. Um, I, I don't want any part of that." So then I say, well, how about the if you go all the way down to the bottom, and the worst loss you can have if you went 90% bonds and 10% cash is 4% a year is the worst ever. The one-year performance is 4% um, is the worst in, in, that, in that long period since 1950. And most clients go, yeah, that's good, but what's the average rate of return? And the average rate of return on that portfolio is 6.1%. Well, so yeah, but okay, well, what's the average on that 90% stock, 10% cash? And you say, well, the average on that since 1950 is 12.1%. Like, well, I, I can't do six because, you know, if I can get 12 with that with the stock, let's do something in between. And I do think that's typically the answer. And this is very simple diversification, but still it's important because listen to this. If you just did a 60% stock, 30% bonds, 10% cash, you could lower that big loss of 34% down to a loss of 22%. So you've made it a, a good bit better. Um, you've, lo- you, you've taken off a total of about 12% of that downside potential on a one-year basis. But look at this. This is the power of time and diversification. Go to a three-year basis. Instead of looking at this just on the worst one-year period, let's look at the a three-year annualized average. And the worst three years, if you went with that most aggressive allocation, 90% stocks, 10% cash, the worst three years, you could have lost 14% a year. But if you go and go with the balance approach and do that, that diversification gives you 60% stocks, 30% bonds, 10% cash, you could drop that 14% annual loss down to 6.2%. That's tremendous if you think about it. You're taking out half of the volatility, over half of the volatility. Meanwhile, the average rate of return, let's go back to the one year on that portfolio. If you do that 60, 30, 10, it's still 10.1%. Most people feel very comfortable with a 10% rate of return. So on three years, what does it average? It averages 9.5%. Notice how there's not a lot of volatility in that average over the long term? Let's go to five years. And this is what, remember the key thing that Kramer said. Jim Kramer said, take your money out that you need within five years. You know, common sense stuff here. And these this data is showing why this is the case. Because now the worst five years since 1950, on an annual basis, if you want the most aggressive allocation, 90% stock, 10% cash, you could have lost 3.2% a year. You'd probably be pretty sick about that because you'd have lost 3% a year for five straight years. You know, it wouldn't have been exactly a clean, smooth 3%. Remember that first year, you would have lost 34%. And then obviously the pain kind of subsided a little bit and you might have even made a money in a, in a few of the years. But if you average it out, you still lost 3% a year. Well, what happens if you add that little bit of diversification? Go 60, 30, 10, 60% stocks, 30% bonds, 10% cash. There has never been a time in history over a five-year period from 1950 that you would not have had a positive rate of return. And you know what your average rate of return would have been? 9.4%. The best you could done just by you know going with the 90 to 10, meaning 90% stock, 10% cash, is 11%. If you would just gone straight bonds, 90% bonds, 10% cash, you'd have had 6.2. And the spread 
that 3.2% spread there that you're getting from the diversified portfolio and just going straight bonds is the risk premium. And you are getting a risk premium when you diversify and spread it out. And you can also see that you also take out a lot of the risk, a lot of the volatility, and you're going to be okay if you just stay the course. And that's the points I made. You know, if you go check out the website at money-guy.com, um, I went over a lot of these same numbers and just put a few bullet points uh, about how much you could, you know, what the, what the chances are of losing and how that's made, you know, a lot less severe if you just give it time. It's just a lot of us don't have the stomach and, and we sell at the world's worst times. And that's what drives me crazy is that I can tell there's a lot of people hurting. I got an email from from Patrick and and this is what Patrick wrote me and it and this 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 hurts my heart when I hear this type of stuff he says um, Brian I, I've been retired for two years and have had about five different mutual funds that in the last year have lost about 40 percent of my total retirement account if I didn't cash out I could not recoup my losses over time because of the monthly living withdrawals that I need to live on my only hope is that I can time the market all the TV, radio, and podcasts, people give great advice for those who will retire in time. But what about the people that are retired now? Could you address this situation? Don't get discouraged. Your podcasts are greatly appreciated. And Pat's from um, California. And, and Pat, I, I hope you're listening to this because I, I feel for your situation. And I hopefully some people are going to hear your email and going to kind of look at their own situation and kind of know how, how to to make it through this. And, and it gets back to kind of what Jim Cramer said is that there's a big difference between being a buyer and a seller and any money you need in a five-year period has got to stay liquid. You've got to keep that in bonds, cash, something that you can keep somewhat liquid. So if you really had to sell, you don't have to sell out of your stocks and equities that are definitely getting beaten up right now. And unfortunately, Pat, it sounds like that those five different mutual funds, if they're down 40% over the last year, probably were primarily equity. And, and I know you probably were doing that just because you were trying to um, capture as much return as possible, but, but there is a risk with that. And that's why as you become a seller, meaning as you get closer to retirement, you've got to increase that diversification. You've got to be backing out of the equities. You don't get out of equities completely because, let's face it, we all retire and live you know, 20, 30 years, hopefully in retirement, you know, that's a long-term horizon. So you want to keep some money in equities, but you also have to make sure that you're counting for these bad times, that you're giving yourself enough cushion there that you don't have to sell at the world's worst time. And I, and I hope, you know, some of the other information, Pat, that we share in today's show will, will encourage you to figure out how much you need over the next five years. And then anything above and beyond that, Look at it from a diversification standpoint and figure out how much figure out how much you can get out there and try to make back by by using equities and other asset classes that that you obviously are not going to have if you just stay in cash so um, that dovetails perfectly into or right into the the article that came out from Warren Buffett and I wanted to share some of that information because it, it, as you know I'm, I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett. And I think that there's a lot of insight that can be taken from what he said. And I'm just going to read a portion of this because I think it's just incredible. This came out last Friday, which was October 17th. And it's, said, and it's written by Warren himself, and it's titled, By American, I Am. And it says, The financial world is a mess, both in the United States and abroad. Its problems, moreover, have been leaking into the general economy. 
and the leaks are now turning into a gusher. In the near term, unemployment will rise, business activity will falter, and headlines will continue to be scary. And, you know, right now you're going, wow, Brian, where does this get good? But let's, let's read on. So I've been buying American stocks. This is my personal account I'm talking about, in which I previously owned nothing but United States government bonds. This description leaves aside my Berkshire Hathaway holdings, which are all committed to philanthropy. Meaning he's giving, you know, if you haven't heard, you know, Warren is giving everything he owns pretty much to charity, which I think is pretty incredible. If prices keep looking attractive, my non-Berkshire net worth will soon be 100% in United States equities. Why? A simple rule dictates my buying. Be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. And most certainly, fear is now widespread, gripping even seasoned investors. To be sure, investors are right to be wary of highly leveraged entities or businesses in weak competitive positions. But fears regarding the long-term prosperity of the nation's many sound companies makes no sense. These businesses will indeed suffer earnings hiccups, as they, they always have. But most major companies will be setting new profit records 5, 10, and 20 years from now. Let me be clear on one point. I can't predict the short-term movements of the stock market. I haven't the faintest idea as to whether stocks will be higher or lower a month or a year from now. What is likely, however, is that the markets will move higher, perhaps substantially, so well before either sentiment or the economy turns up. So if you wait for the robins, spring will be over. A little history here. During the Depression, the Dow hit, hit its low of 41 on July 8th of 1932. Economic conditions, though, kept deteriorating until Franklin Delano Roosevelt took office in March of 1933. By that time, the market had already advanced 30%. Or think back to the early days of World War II, when things were going badly for the United States in Europe and the Pacific. The market hit bottom in April of 1942, well before Allied fortunes turned. Again, in the early 1980s, the time to buy stocks was when inflation raged and the economy was in the tank. In short, bad news is an investor's best friend. It lets you buy a slice of America's future at a marked down price. Over the long term, the stock market news will be good. In the 20th century, the United States endured two, endured two world wars and other dramatic and expensive military conflicts. The Depression, a dozen or so recessions, and financial panics, oil shocks, a flu epidemic, and the resignation of a disgraced president. Yet the Dow rose from 66 to 11,497. You might think it would, be, it would have been impossible for an investor to lose money during a century marked by such extraordinary gain. But some investors did. The hapless ones bought stocks only when they felt comfort in doing so, and then proceeded to sell when the headlines made them queasy. Today, people who hold cash equivalents feel very comfortable. They shouldn't. They have opted for a terrible long-term asset, one that pays virtually nothing and is certain to depreciate in value. Indeed, the policies that government will follow in its efforts to alleviate the current crisis will probably prove inflationary and therefore accelerate declines in the real value of cash accounts. Equities will almost certainly outperform cash over the next decade, probably by a substantial degree. Those investors who cling now to cash are betting they can efficiently time their move away from it later. And waiting for the comfort of good news, they are ignoring Wayne Gretzky's advice. I skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it's been. 
I don't like to opine on the stock market, and again, I emphasize that I have no idea what the market will do in the short term. Nevertheless, I follow the lead of a restaurant that opened in an empty bank building and then advertised, put your mouth where your money was. Today, my money and my mouth both say equities. I think that is profound. And what I will tell you what I think is profound about Warren Buffett. And y'all have heard me use these quotes. I've done a podcast on Warren Buffett quotes. You can take this article that was written on October 2008. Take this back to 2002. It would work. You could take it back to the 70s and 73 and 74 when the market is bad. It would work. The advice is timeless. A simple rule. Remember, he said, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. But here's what I think is very interesting. You got Warren Buffett out there saying the market is good. And then I go and look up, you know, I use some long short funds. These are funds that um, are act somewhat like hedge funds that, you know, ultra wealthy use because they, they can short positions. They can do all kind of things to, to try to make money no matter whether the market's up or down. And one of the funds I use is Hussman Strategic Growth, and it's run by a gentleman by the name of John P. Hussman, Ph.D., so it's Dr. Hussman. And John, he's interesting to me because if you watched his fund, you remember as of September 30th, the broad market's down well over 20%. Hussman Funds, the Strategic Growth Fund, actually was up over 4% during that time. And I thought this is what I think is very interesting is that he wrote a piece. He always writes weekly commentary. If you go out to his website, it's HussmanFunds.com. I've got a link on our website. If you go to Money-Guy.com and see the actual piece that I'm talking about, it came out on October 20th. This was Monday. And it's titled, Why Warren Buffett is Right and Why Nobody Cares. And, and I'm not going to read his whole thing because it's seven pages, but I do want to read the first few paragraphs. It says, The best way to begin this comment is to reiterate that the U.S. stocks are now undervalued. I realize how unusual that might sound given my persistent assertions during the past decade that stocks were overvalued, with a brief exception in 2003. Still, it is important to understand that a price decline of over 40%, and even more in some indices, completely changes the game. Last week, we also observed early indications of an improvement in the quality of market action and an easing of the upward pressure on risk premiums. In 2000, we could confidently assert that stocks would most probably deliver negative total returns over the following 10-year period. Today, we can comfortably expect 8 to 10% total returns even without assuming any material increase in price-to-normalized earnings multiples. Remember, price-to-earnings is very important. Given a modest expansion in multiples, a passive investment in the S&P 500 can be expected to achieve total returns well in excess of 10% annually. I think that's tremendous. If you think about this, here we have agreement between somebody who has been calling that markets have been overvalued for the last decade. And then you've got Warren Buffett, one of the most successful investors of our lifetime, is also saying times are looking good from a valuation standpoint. Meanwhile, the talking heads on TV who were wrong about the market going up, and I was part of that, I was wrong about predicting how deep this market was going to be hit by this. We're going to listen to them now. I think that we go listen to the guys who got it right on this. And that's, that was Dr. Hussman. That was Warren Buffett. And they're saying that, yeah, times do look a lot better if you look at it from a valuation standpoint. That doesn't mean if you buy right now that your portfolio is not going to go down in value. Because short term, we can't control the emotions of what's going on in this marketplace. But I'm just like Warren Buffett and Dr. Hussman. And I believe in the long term, next few years, 
we're getting into some tremendous opportunities. And let me break it down this way also and get it in a common sense format. I don't know how far the market could go down on the Dow Jones. But if you look at the, the, the price-to-earnings ratios and so forth, there's going to be a, a, a floor. And even if you want to assume, you know, we got as low as in the low 8,000s. I think we might have even dipped into the high 7,000s on the Dow for, for just a few minutes. So let's assume we could go down to 7,500 points on the Dow. That's 1,000 points from where we closed at yesterday, down. Meanwhile, we just came from, last July, 14,000 on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, over 14,000. So if you do the simple math on that, you can see how we have 5,500 to 6,000 points on the upside and 1,000 points on the downside, possibly, from a risk-adjusted basis, not a bad time to be looking at the market. Now, you're going to have to endure some roller coaster rides here, but still, not a bad time if you're looking at the risk versus reward side of the balancing act there. If you're young, don't let this news media, don't let the 24-7 onslaught onto your mental survival here, you know, your, your mental well-being, be impacted. You need to think about long-term. Hit the accelerator. I've been investing the last two weeks. Any money I can scrimp together, scrape together, and pull out of my back pocket and contribute to my retirement plans, I'm doing it. And I'm trying to fight, you know, because I, I just think that in five years, we're going to look back and see tremendous opportunities that, that we're going to miss out on if we don't jump on it right now. Like I said, don't know when this thing's going to truly recover. I don't know if we've had the bottom yet, but I do know long term, I think we're going to be fine. I'm your host, Brian Preston. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Check us out at money-guy.com. Talk to you in about a week or two. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.